When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The soccer-specific stadium for the New York City Football Club. We've got the guy who knows more about this than anyone. The supporters' go-to guy for the information. A friendly match at Inter-Miami. It's true. And we'll have that and much more on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. Tiro y gol! Gol! New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. I'm Glenn Crooks. There's Roberto Abramowitz. Uh, we're your New York City FC radio commentators here on NYCFC Views. Roberto, uh, we're going to get into it more in the kicking it around segment. But uh, we were together last night with many others. It was good to see your son, Eddie, there. I had Maddie Lawrence as my date. and uh, But to, uh, to watch this movie, Next Goal Wins, the Thomas Roggen uh american samoa story it's it, it was uh it was pretty cool pretty cool it, it was a fun night it, it was you know it's something to take very lightheartedly and uh that's the way the movie was was presented and uh it was fun i i, I enjoyed myself it was good i would definitely say you know you need 90 minutes to go and have a little enjoyment uh go right uh go right ahead now you got to interview thomas Right, uh, this week, yeah. and uh, you got to ask him how he thought he was portrayed because well, we'll it get... didn't seem very positive for a lot of the movie, mind you. No, I'm I'm anxious to talk to Thomas now. It's tomorrow, uh, which we're recording this on Thursday. It'll be tomorrow, Friday morning, and then it'll air next week. But uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll have some, you know, at least a clip that we could share here on uh, on NYCFC views and a lot of supporters there last night, which was nice. Uh, Brad Sims was there. No Nick Cushing, no David Lee, no technical staff. So I no. kind of wanted to uh, pick their brain a little bit about this uh, thing in Miami coming up. But uh, we're going to get to all that. Uh, and a, a happy birthday bit. to Nick Cushing, by the way. Today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Nick Cushing. And uh, he's, he's still one of the youngest coaches in MLS. Uh, there's eight vacancies in MLS. Hernan Lasada got sacked this morning. And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit, too. But there's eight vacancies. And we've heard uh, Domi Terrell's name thrown out there, too. Again. But, again. Uh, again. Um, always. All right. So I, I would say, Roberto, in my time doing this, I don't know if you would agree, uh, that is uh, commentating for New York City FC. We've been there since the first kick. The number one story always on the minds of the supporters, maybe with the exception of the run to the MLS Cup, was soccer specific stadium. In fact, we've we've talked to people that canceled their uh, 
season tickets because it was, you know, no news or didn't seem like anything was going to happen. We want it in the Bronx. We want it in Queens. We want it here. We want it there. Uh, we don't want it at Belmont. Uh, but there's one guy who's really been on it, um, you know, from, from start to finish. And uh, I met him. I don't know if you know this, Roberto, and I, I'm not sure. And he can maybe he can remind me what the date was or what year. I think it was 2017, maybe 18. Uh, he put something out about a community meeting in the Bronx about this, right near the stadium, Yankee Stadium. And I thought I'm going to go in and check this out. And there were third rail Bronx people there. There were other people in the community. Uh, there was this guy who had uh, done uh, part of the architecture or. Uh, modeling anyway for Stamford Bridge at Chelsea with with classrooms underneath, which is what they've always talked about. Anyway, let's bring him in. Uh, he was from the outfield fame, and now he's just his own fame, uh, Chris Campbell. Where is he? Hey, hey man. He Chris, welcome. What year was that when we uh, met at the Bronx community meeting, whatever that it was. was? It was October 2019. 2019? Yep. All right. And... I thought it was uh, it was very interesting. Uh, obviously, the stadium's not going to be built in the Bronx, but it was interesting for the standpoint. I remember there were like five specialists. This guy, there was somebody uh, regarding environmental, uh, somebody else regarding infrastructure in that area, which was really complicated. But I, I found it uh, uh, educational, enlightening, and it, it really kind of um, put it in the forefront for me too. And 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 you'd been on top of it, so. I think just in general, and then I know we'll both have questions for you, but from, from start to when you first started covering it to now, I mean, it's really been a, a bit of a journey. Some would call it a saga. Uh, are you surprised it's in Queens and not the Bronx based on from when you started to now? Yeah, I mean, I always thought it would be in the Bronx. I thought the project there made so much sense. And it's not necessarily that this location isn't a great one because it is. Um, it just seemed like there were too many things that were going right about that location and um, the benefits it was going to bring the community there that I just didn't see it getting derailed the way it did. Um, so to that degree, I'm surprised. But again, this is a great location. Um, the supporters, I think the atmospheres at City Field have been amazing. So I think, you know, you're going to see that replicated at this at this location as well. So um, and honestly, any location is better than no location for, I think, you know, all the NYCFC supporters. Chris, does um, the situation with um, the mayor uh, having his little bit of a scandal as far as raising funds, to, and obviously he's been a huge supporter of this project, does, uh, th through the stuff that you've learned, how does that impact uh the whole process going forward and is there more of a sense of urgency to get it approved quickly so if something does happen to to mayor adams that it doesn't affect the project at all it does add a little level of uncertainty um you know with mayor adams he supports this project and so basically you know you know going into it that his vote is going to be in support of it um now if you know he was no longer in the picture you know, now there's the uncertainty of, of who's stepping in and where would they stand on this project? You would hope that they would still be in support of it and it wouldn't have any impact. Um, but to that degree, having that level of uncertainty um, definitely um, is uncomfortable and you'd rather it come through before, if anything were to happen to, uh, to Mayor Adams, that, you know, before, before he is ousted. 
Is there an easy way to uh, tell that story so that somebody tuning in isn't like, well, what happened? I know it had something to do with campaign finances, right? Can anybody define it or are we just going to leave it at that? I'm just asking. Anybody? <laughs> Roberto? I'll leave it for Chris. <laughs> I, I honestly... Well, you brought it up. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, He's we know that cat. there's... I think we could just say we know that there's potential issues. Uh, he was in Washington, D.C. Uh, with some very, very critical meetings in regard to immigration in New York City uh, with Congress and whoever else he was meeting. He was at the White House. He was going to be at the White House and he canceled all his meetings and rushed back. So maybe we could just leave it at that, that whatever's going on uh, is, a, is a little dicey. I, I'll add something. I, I will add something to this. Obviously, it's a it's a campaign um, finance issue. Uh, right now, he's not totally associated with it, but it seems to be that eventually he might be associated with the issues. Right now, it's outside of him. But by the time all of this gets done, and let's say he is associated in some way to all these issues, then you, you would hope that the whole process of Earlham is already done. And once that's done, as far as I understand, the project is sealed and nothing else can happen to it. But I don't know if I'm accurate on that. Maybe Chris can add something. Well, let's uh, first, uh, the, the, the most used acronym since uh, I've been in the, the uh, New York City camp has been ULERP. So what the heck is it? Uh, why is it so important, Chris, uh, to be... Uh, generated and then approved upon or whatever uh, else has to happen. Give us an idea of uh, the process just began recently. It was approved or, you know, how that was so important and then what's next. Right. So um, ULERP, the universe, excuse me, uniform land use review procedure is basically um, the process that anything goes through um, where there's some kind of land use action that needs to be taken within New York city. Um, And so a, pro- a project of this size um, requires several different zoning actions, um, and demapping of streets. Um, and so there, it has to go through this whole process that um, is very, very extensive. It includes community boards, includes the mayor, includes city council, city planning commission, borough board. Um, you can kind of see the image here um, that uh, just gotten way too familiar with that I, I never thought I would. Um, and ultimately on October 16th is when um, this project was certified into ULERP. And so basically it's saying this is, is now kicking off. Um, and so you'll see in that kind of uh, uh, on the left top side there, the, the certification um, from city planning um, that occurred. Um, so the, we're going into the next step here, which is the community board um, uh, review. And both the community board view and the, um, and the borough board and borough president review both of those are actually considered um, advisory only. So, what if they actually voted to, you know, to you know, uh, go against the project? It doesn't actually kill it. It's more of an advisory thing, though. You know, city city planning and city council are more likely to go as the local community votes, um, and um, and so uh, that's something to to know. But the the community board um, review has begun, um, and actually. Those dates, um, they're actually having um, some committee meetings on um, on November 15th. So we're less than a week away from the first committee meeting um, that the Queens Community Board 7 uh, will have there. And then ultimately, they're going to be voting on it on December 4th. Once that ends, then it goes to the next process, the borough president, borough board, and city planning, etc. So you can kind of see that the, the time 
frames there within this within this chart. Um, and once the community board vote is over, the borough president has 30 days, and city planning has 60 days, then city council is 50 days, and mayor is five days. And it it might not take all that much time, but that's the maximum length of time that each step can take. Yeah. So. Uh, Roberto, I know you're. I know you want to go next. I just have to follow this up at this point. And maybe is this if this is too early, and I'm a bad boy, Roberto. You just tell me. But uh, in in layman's terms, when can the first shovel hit the deck of the ground to get this thing going? I mean, you, the mayor has come up already a couple of times. One that there are some issues, maybe to the point where he would no longer be the mayor. Can a, so a mayor can put the gabosh on this, like a single person can do that. They could, but city council can override um, the mayor's veto, but with a two thirds vote. So um, there is that kind of other aspect of it. And typically city council tends to follow the local city council member um, where the project um, is in their jurisdiction, which in this case is Francisco Moya, who as um, well, maybe not everybody knows, but you know, he's, he's the, the champion of this project as well. So um, you would imagine that city council, um, if there was a mayor uh, veto um, could, could overcome that. Chris, let me ask you this going through all of it and everything, I'm not going to say that it's going to be rubber stamped or anything, but everything that we've heard so far has been positive and that New York city should be able to get through um this uh this whole procedure but are there any pitfalls that you see going forward that you know we should be concerned about or is everything uh right now looking very good to get approved well i think everything's looking um really good to get approved i i think the you know the main potential pitfall is the the uncertainty with uh with mayor adams um, and, and, and there will be some other hiccups along the way. Um, you know, as this gets into public hearings, there's going to be a lot of people that have opinions. Um, and some of those opinions will be against. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it will um, Im impact the viability of the project going forward. But it's, it, it might get a little bit ugly, um, you know, it's, especially when um, we're considering the, the size of a project like this. Um, and um, we're talking about... A, uh, a stadium that, um, according to the term sheet that was provided, would include um, no uh, no property taxes or, or uh, pilot payments, um, and including a stadium that might be, um, you know, it looks like there's there's an agreement in place to to have Etihad Airways um, be the, the naming sponsor. So, um, you know, those things people are going to have strong opinions about, and they're going to voice them. I don't think that those could derail it, but um, you know, it could get a little uncomfortable at least. Chris Campbell, our guest here, he is the uh, guru of uh, soccer-specific stadium information uh, for New York City Football Club. You can follow him at SoupInNYC27. For you, Chris, this has had uh, some special meaning, too. I mean, you're a, you, you've moved out of the area, but you were a season ticket holder. You were uh, you know, a, a massive supporter uh, of, the, of the team. What uh, what do you think of now that it's going to be in Queens? What do you think of the renderings? We're going to roll through them a little bit, but when you look at it, does that just as a supporter and as somebody that's been you know dying for this thing to to come into existence? Uh, what what'd you think? I mean, I think it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, the uh, it, it seems that well, again, I I think it could have been any any rendering, and we'd all be excited about it because you know <laughs> not having a home. Um, has been just such a, uh, a such a pain 
Um, but um, I mean, look at some of the design features that, that are part of this. So it's really, really exciting. And I love how um, with this being built into a new neighborhood, um, how they've kind of designed certain aspects of it to fit there. Um, the more flashy sides um, there that you know you saw near the entrance with the big video screens, that's facing City Field. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's no nothing from a neighborhood impact that, um, you know, that can be kind of a nuisance. On the other side of the stadium, it's um, discrete brick walls that kind of fits more within, you know, like it's part of the residential area. Um, and that's going to be facing the, uh, the new affordable housing that's going up. So um, and then you get into, um, I think, a lot of the other designs of what's going to be included, what's not. Um, you know, a big part of this is going to include um, space that will be uh, used um, even on non-game days. Um, there's a, an open air beer garden that's planned. Um, kind of right. hoping, <laughs> hoping that that's also, you know, available on non-game days or, or maybe for, you know, hosting away day watch parties. Um, that would be really cool. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's a lot of, lot to be excited about in terms of a, of a design standpoint that comes out. And I think, um, you know, I, I would imagine the club will be in more discussions with both local community members as well as supporters in terms of, uh, you know, how can we refine some of these details so it really fits best with everybody. Well, what does everybody think? And Roberto, I'm going to uh, kick this to you. What does everybody think about a big old casino being uh, right next door also? And, and then uh, well, there's we've, got, <laughs> we've got these parking considerations too. So Roberto, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a shot here? All right. So Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets and, uh, and has city field and um, he's got a permit uh, in and around city field to be able to build some sort of, I was going to say arena, but something that has to do with sports. And we thought for a while before it was announced that the stadium, New York city stadium was going to be uh, across the street from right field, that it might be on the property itself where the parking lots are only because that that was already grandfathered in. But as it turns out, Steve Cohen, who's not exactly a proponent of the New York City Stadium, and he's using uh, the ability of 2,000, I believe, parking spaces that he has for City Field that would be used for New York City, and he's using that as a bargaining chip to get his own casino built. But at the but he's also now doubling down on something else, which is called Metropolitan Park, which is going to be in an area that's on the other side of City Field or surrounding City Field, not what New York City has its stadium or where this is. And it's going to have a, a sports book, a casino, which is exactly what he wants. And then he's going to dress it up with a gaming facility, hotel towers, conference spaces, public plaza, a food hall, community space, athletic fields, playgrounds, uh, renovating a train station, bike paths, and everything else that he can think of to try to dress everything up. But what he really wants is a casino. And this is where he's invested millions and millions of dollars in lobbying to try to get this done. He tried to get it forced on to the uniform land review that New York City is part of, and that didn't work. But now he's doing this. So what information do you have and how does, in for what you've seen, how does that affect what New York City is doing? Well, it, it goes hand in hand. So as you mentioned, um, the, uh, the soccer stadium that's being built 
is going to require parking um, per the local zoning regulations. And, and in order to fulfill that, to fulfill that, NYCFC was looking to partner with the Mets um, to allow the use of city field lots. Um, and um, the Mets and NYCFC had a preliminary non-binding um, agreement to, uh, to allow that, which now Steve Cohen is not, um, is, is looking to leverage and not necessarily make a binding agreement so he can try to get this casino plan um, put in place. Now, there's a lot of different factors um, that, that go into it. I don't know um, a whole ton of specifics around a lot of the, the potential casino development, but I do know that you know there are multiple casino uh, proposals in place um, in Queens and I think in the Bronx and Manhattan. And there's only, I think one or maybe two um, uh, um, licenses that are going to be given. So right. it, you know whether or not, you know, Cohen's plans themselves are good. There might be better ones elsewhere. Um, so um, it, it might not even go through from that standpoint. Um, but, um, you know, I think what you see in the release plans, I think those came out, what, yesterday or two days ago. Yes. Um, there are, um, I mean, it's kind of exciting to see all that stuff nearby and, and you know, see some, you know, new restaurants <laughs> and bars that would be there. Um, the whole complex would be it would be kind of crazy on a game day to, you know, visit some of those other, um, those other places that would be put up there. Um, and this was kind of considered in um, some of the environmental impact statements that, um, that were put together for this soccer stadium um, development. They um, had to consider um, some potential development. And one of those um, was a mixed use development, including a resort and gaming facility, hotel space, convention center, et cetera, that, referencing this planned development that Cohen uh, wants. Yeah. Well, it would be, uh, the only thing missing is like water slides and roller coasters. <laughs> I don't know if they, they have some space for that, but, uh, well, that's a the American better, dream in Jersey has yeah, that. Yeah. Come to, come to Jersey for that <laughs> <laughs> and then go to a jet game at jet life stadium. If you, if you will. All right. So uh, well, Chris, uh, and Roberto and, uh, you know, really succinctly put to uh, give a description as to uh, as to, to where all this lies. So, Chris, uh, as we close this, I'm going to uh, put this to you. What's your best guesstimate based on your research, your studying, where you think this might end up uh, politically when it can you know, fi be finalized and we could start digging uh, Francisco Moya told me in an interview not that long ago that he want, he, he, he thinks it might be up by 2026. I don't know if you're that optimistic, but what do you, uh, what's your forecast? Uh, I mean, I, my forecast is going to be based on, on the documents that I've, I've gone through and it says, you know, construction starting March, 2024, and it's finished, um, basically December, 2026 operational for the first, um, first home game of 2027, which it sounds like, you know, it, it wouldn't need to be a delayed home game either. It can, you know, week one. Wow. That doesn't often happen. The timing that <laughs> no, is. No, it doesn't. That, yeah. So let me just finish with this then. Uh, is there anything we missed? Is there anything that we should have asked you or information that you have that uh, you need to share that uh, we might have skipped over? Um, I don't think so. You know, uh, it actually, one thing I will bring up is I think um, – because of the uncertainty around parking with this, I've been very interested in some of the solutions that the club has in terms of a, basically they're, they're looking to incentivize fans to travel there, not by driving themselves. And, and, um, 
And I think it's really, really interesting some of the stuff that they are looking into. They've they are holding discussions with um, uh, with companies like Uber and Lyft to build in incentives for people to take a, a you know a ride share as opposed to driving and parking. Um, they're looking to build incentives uh, one to do a marketing campaign to um, uh, encourage individuals to take uh, transit such as the subway um, and are even considering building in transit fare options into the team's ticketing process. Um, that's, uh, that's not something that you um, see. And actually, I, I do believe the Euros in Germany is doing something kind of similar in terms of a, if, you, uh, if you have a match day ticket, you have free access to the trains. I believe I read an article about that. So somewhat similar. Um, it's, it's kind of really um, innovative thinking to help try to alleviate um, you know, some of the potential parking problems. And I think it's really, uh, really kind of genius, but, um, so, so those kind of details, and, and you can see a lot more, uh, a lot more renderings and some of the details in terms of a stadium layout in the latest article we had for the outfield, where the home visiting locker rooms are going to be, um, and some of those details, it's, uh, it's exciting to see some of that. And I, and I'm sure we'll see more of it as uh, this moves forward. All right, that's at the outfield and out soup in uh, what is it? soup in? Sorry about that. NYC twenty seven <laughs> for uh, Chris Campbell to uh, to keep posing. Well, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, maybe a little further down the line, we have you back under up uh, down uh, back up with us to give us an update as to what's going on. All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. Thank have you for coming one. here. Yep. I was going to ask Chris, what does he really do for a living? But we didn't get to that. So it, it's not important. Nobody cares, Chris. We just care about the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what, what's your thoughts, Glenn, as far as uh, what, what's your thoughts about it uh, as he explains everything to us? Well, the, I, when, he's, when he says uh, day one, uh, match day one, 2027, the, the part that, you know, I, I think about immediately is, I don't know a stadium project. You know, I haven't studied every stadium project, no matter what the sport, where there's not delays along the way. So if that's the best case scenario, I, I, I hope that works out. But that, that is something that struck me. And then the, the last thing he said, which I hadn't heard that, and that's, that is innovative to uh, build in some transit um, perks right. into your season tickets or tickets that you purchase. So I like that idea. And it's also preparing them for the fact that they might not have as many parking spaces. <laughs> so. Well, the thing is, is that they need the parking spaces. It's part of the process. And what the, what the team has done, based on what I've read, is that they have had an alternative situation by going to, like, all the garages that are somewhere within an X, I don't know if it's a mile radius of the stadium or two-mile radius of the stadium, and making, you know, and trying to figure out if they can make deals with them. And they, they've put that into their proposal saying, we... We meet the requirement of 2,000 spaces. I think it was 2,000, right? 2,000 or 4,000? I forget what right. it was. But uh, we, we meet that requirement by having these garages available and having ways of getting people to and back, you know, to and from these garages. So the team has been able to back themselves up with that. Yeah. to be able yeah. to uh, help themselves in case, you know, the Mets go totally rogue or Steve Cohen goes totally rogue and says, hey, I'm not giving you a parking space across the street. The other thing, listening to all this, and this is what's incredible about the, the lack of, uh, to, uh, the first word is togetherness, but there's a better word than that, in that you've got New York City 
uh, doing all these things, including the classrooms and the retail and all the different things around in the, in the park area. And then you've got Steve Cohen talking about doing a lot of the similar things, but additional components too. Imagine if they worked in compliance with each other. You know, imagine if they worked together on this, what kind of thing could really emerge from this? So it's just unfortunate that you have right in the same area, two groups that have, you know, a lot, I'm probably a lot of good things well, uh, in mind for the community and, uh, and they're, and they're doing well, it on, on separate fronts. Well, what's happening is because Cohen was very, very late to try to add himself to the process of the New York City Stadium, and he tried to push it through, but he couldn't. Uh, that's why this whole new proposal has come out, I right, see. to be able to. So he couldn't be on one, so he's doing his own. And it's not necessarily competing, which is good. Uh, but we don't know if if that affects anything or or not. The thing is that based on what I've read, uh, there's an area in and around the Nassau Coliseum, the former home of the New York Islanders and uh, the New York Nets in the Julius Irving days, uh, New York Arrows, for those of you who might remember them, yeah. uh, they Steve have jungle. a bid. jungle. Go ahead. Exactly. Uh, and so they have a bid, and their bid is much stronger than Steve Cohen's bid. And it seems like, based on things that I have read, that New York State is more in favor of putting that and giving that gambling casino out there in, uh, I don't know, Long Island near Hempstead than giving yeah. it to Steve Cohen in Queens because they're already yeah. going to put one year Times Square and all of that. So they feel that it's too close. And so the, the other one, out on the island would be would be better suited for what the state wants for it. So um, that's why he's scrambling to figure out a way to get to get that casino, which he really, really, really wants. All right, man. Well, thanks again to uh, to Chris Campbell. And as we stay with New York City FC, uh, one thing that came out today, a couple of things, but one thing that was announced today is that they're going to be participating in that preseason. Coachella Valley Invitational, which I think is really good news. There's 10 MLS teams. They're all in the same area. They're training. They're competing. And I just think there have been times in preseason where New York City hasn't maybe gotten the, the real competition that they need on a consistent basis leading in. Sometimes it's been because the roster hasn't been quite as developed yet. Uh, that's one thing I think that's really important is that uh, Nick Cushing has – you know, you're never going to have your full complement on January 10th or whenever they start training, but mm -hmm. maybe a majority of it this time, uh, especially coming off a season like they have, where they can really get going from the outset. Um, we know that uh, we were at this event last night. And there were some players. Uh, this uh, next goal wins the documentary that was, uh, or the film, I should say, based on a documentary with Thomas Rangan uh, was uh, premiering uh, at AMC Lincoln Center, but. Uh, the pl player like Monsef Bakar, he's just, he's looking for number one, to have a rest. He said, I just, I haven't been home in a long time because the transfer, he comes right in. Uh, and, uh, but he's really pumped for preseason for the very reason that he'll be there from the start. But uh, the one thing I wanted to say about this, and I want to see any conversations you have last night that uh, you could share um, um, with our listeners here. But I spoke to Pete Keaton Parks and he's the one that told me, Last Thursday night at 9.15 p.m., uh, the team got a text saying, that you're going to Inter-Miami to play a friendly against Messi and, and celebrate Ballon d'Or. And 
the point uh, that Keaton made was pretty interesting, I thought, because that's coming up uh, tomorrow night, Friday. And uh, so less than a week to prepare. In fact, you know, really only five days. But what Keaton said, I think, is really, really important to consider. They were in an off-season training program, meaning they were in the gym a lot. So you're lifting a lot more in the off-season than you are in-season. You're doing a lot of strength exercises as opposed to the, the combination of strength and agility and things. And so they heard about this game, and boom, they had to switch out of that into like a, a regular training cycle to get ready for a game, which I think is, to me, is slightly distressing. And the reason is, and I, to, the biggest thing about this game, I, I don't care that much about this game. I, look, Messi, he's going to be celebrated. Should he have even won the Ballon d'Or? Was he the best player in the world? You know, all, you could go through a lot of different things here. But if anybody, and I mean anybody on either side, but I'm going to say for New York City in particular, if anybody gets injured in this game, it's going to be disastrous, absolutely disastrous. And the fact people that they haven't injured, pardon, people can get injured in training. People can get injured lifting weights. There's a lot of ways that no, no, you're no, going no. to be able to get I, to get injured. I, I want to support it by saying they haven't been training in a manner that you would to prepare for a game. They were okay. In well, first of all, training. it's 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 an exhibition, not a competition. I yes, they are keeping oh, score, but it's an exhibition game. Okay, and there's going to be massive rotations. I asked uh, Justin Hack. I got a chance to speak to Justin Hack for a while, and uh, you know, he said that they're going to be bringing along a lot of the and uh, New York City FC two players, and they're probably going to get a chance to play because he doesn't know if anybody's actually 90 minutes fit. So it's not right. going to be a a game, I don't believe, where you know you're only going to have five lineup changes in three in you know in three windows plus halftime. Yeah, I, I think it's so. going to be a hell of a lot more than that. And we're going to get a chance to see a lot of the kids get you know get a chance to play the Maximo Carrizos of the world and and others. So the McFarlands and uh I, I think it's gonna be more of that, you know. Don't put anything into the game more than it's a celebration of Messi. It's an exhibition game. Score doesn't matter. Nothing else really matters. Yes, you want to get out of there safe and healthy, but uh, it, it is just that. And it's going to be broadcast on Apple TV. Um, we went. We wanted to do the game as well, but for reasons that um, – I'm not entirely sure of, and maybe you are, you're more sure of than I am. Uh, we're not doing the game on radio, so uh, we'll be home watching the game. And yeah. it doesn't interfere, right, with MLS playoffs because there are no games scheduled at that time. That's good. There's something that came out that you mentioned before with this Coachella tournament, which um, is important. That, you know, if you start reading through some of the tea leaves, did you see the dates? February 4th through the 17th. Which means that MLS season isn't starting before February 25th in and around there. February 23rd, 24th, 25th. Right. Most likely. Which so, was the same. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the same weekend as it started this year. As like it that. started. Because yeah. they were thinking that maybe it would be, you know, actually pushed forward because you have Copa America and things like that. And you, you would think that, you know, there's going to be a big break during the summer because of that. So, uh, but 
looking at those dates, it seems like it's going to start pretty much the same way that it started last year, which if it's the same sort of thing, then, you know, it's going to be mostly Saturdays. And uh, last year it was six Wednesdays. So, yeah, you would think they'll stick with the same thing. Although I would hope that they at least reviewed the uh, playing so many games at the same time on the same day. Oh, God, yes. You know it's what terrible. impact I'm not what impact that, that had? Yeah, so a lot of people didn't like that from a just from people who uh, like to watch MLS would like to watch more yeah. than just their team. You know, and that's what this whole Apple thing was. It's like, well, you can see it across the world. You can watch any any any, and you can always watch it back. Some people just want to watch games live. They don't want to they don't want to watch them after they know the score. And um, that's me. It's, uh, so there's some I mean, of that. If I've got to review a game for work, that's something. But I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to watch, watch even a, an exciting game like the Sporting KC game or something like that, where you know there's going to be lots of goals. But I mean, you know what's going to happen. It takes well, all yeah, the fun out of it. Yeah, you end up watching the seven to nine minutes of highlights. And honestly, that's that's uh, that's yeah. probably what I end up doing more so than it. So Keaton Parks also, I asked him what about Messi. He goes, his, uh, his prediction was Messi starts, plays 20 minutes, and then waves goodbye. So my question to you, Roberto, is that does everybody leave at halftime that's going to a dry pink stadium? There's going to be a – well, the last time Messi went out in a game like that was during the regular Woo! season and he got hurt. And the part, the I'm not going to say the, the entire team. stadium left, but there are quite a few people that headed for the exits after the 35th minute when he got injured, which is, which is sad, really. Uh, and it doesn't bode well for what what is going to happen to Inter Miami after Messi leaves, because yeah. you've got to be able to sell these people once you know you've got them and uh, they are a audience for you to stick around to follow the team after Messi leaves. But uh, I think that that's going to be a really really hard sell for them. And I don't know how many New York City supporters are going down. I know some are. Uh, at least 20 have purchased tickets, according to someone, one of the supporters I met last night, who also said Miami did not accommodate any seating for the New York City supporters group. I think that should be. Oh, noted. OK, well, I, I, I didn't ask any of that. What I did see was that ticket prices are coming down. So there were over a hundred dollars last week. And uh, yesterday, when uh, we looked it up, it was $85, including all fees yeah. on Ticketmaster. And they might be going down since, so who knows. Um, will and they then, get a good crowd? Of course they will. Yeah. But are they going to sell it out? Who knows? It's going to be close to a sellout. I would think that they'll sell 90% of the tickets. If so, not. Roberto, you'll like this. I was at a social event uh, recently, and I met this guy, and he knew I was involved in soccer. So he starts showing me things on his phone that were created by AI, artificial intelligence. And it was some pretty crazy stuff. So he, so I wrote down, it's Bing Image Generator. That's what it is. It's like text to image. So you can type like a detail of something and then it creates something. So yes. with Messi and the Ballon d'Or and Miami Beach, I think I, that, that those three words I typed with commas in between and I came up with this. If we get to... Show Lionel Messi. There he is. That is an AI construction. The balance. You know, I didn't realize that until you just told me. That is crazy. And I saw the photo. I just thought he actually did that. Oh my God. No, this that is, is like, nuts. So you can you, you, I'm having so much That's fun nuts. with it. I'm sure it's one of these things where it'll it'll get old eventually. Did I send any others? I can't is that the only one I sent, guys? 
Sammy? I guess. I think so. Right. Yeah, because there were a couple of others, and I, th and I think I forgot to send them. But uh, I'll have more fun with it as time goes on, you know. And we'll uh, we'll put some AI uh, things up there. Uh, Micha Ilinich spoke to him last night. He's going to Turkey next week uh, to play with the Slovenia U20s, and he's talking about the U21 Euros, which aren't until 2025. So they're they're preparing that. He said something really, which I thought was insightful. He's, I like it. Well, we've both talked to him. We like him because he's very, Hell um, yeah. he's, you know, he's only 20, but he's very forward. He's, uh, and he, and Engaging. he's, uh, he's fun. He's honest. Yeah. He's fun. And yeah. He said, he's, he didn't say what we need at New York City, but he said, man, if, if we had somebody who could defend like Tavon and attack like me, we would have the perfect right back. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, you're right. But I told him this, yeah. and Tavon, if you're listening, this is a challenge. I told him this. I said, look, you're a better attacker than Tavon, and, and he's a better defender. But I think, and this is the coach in me speaking, I think it's easier to teach a, a, a young man or a young woman how to defend and all the different intricacies of defending than necessarily it is to attack because attacking is, you know, that some, some of that's just, uh, you know, something that's really, that's really – you know, and, and funny that that's what the team thought about Burke Risa, right? That they thought that he had some deficiencies yeah. in defending that he hadn't been taught properly and that they felt that they were going to be able to get him up to speed, you know, with practice. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how much they work with him on individual techniques to be able to teach him for him to be able to, uh, you know, obviously stay in the starting lineup come next season. So preseason is going to be very interesting, and I'm sure that they've been doing work with that all throughout, uh, you know, the MLS postseason while the team has been training, although they haven't been, uh, you know, playing. And then the, the team had another announcement this week, and uh, pretty happy to hear about it, and that is uh, Gabe Siegel is back from his loan uh, in Tel Aviv. So this was the press release uh, I had some communication with Gabe, and uh, it was before, actually, the loan was terminated. He said, unfortunately, I think given what's going on, the loan is done, so it's it's not going to be regenerated. Uh, he said he was able to get out of the country quickly after everything started going down. So he's actually been back in New York for several weeks. I assume he's been training with the team. And yes, so he, he has. He told me that he has. I got a chance to speak to him as well. So the, the the one thing he did tell me was that he was in his apartment in Tel Aviv and that all of a sudden he started to hear sirens going off everywhere and that he looked out his window and he saw missiles coming in and the Iron Dome, which is basically missiles that uh, Israel fires up to stop these other, you know, these uh, Hamas missiles from coming in and, you know, blowing them up in the sky. And he says it was just like amazing to watch all of this happen. He was watching it out of his window and he said that the club was fantastic in, you know, making sure he got out of town very, very quickly. And within a day he was, he was out of there and on his way back to New York. And, and, that, uh, league, and that league has been, uh, the Israeli league has been shut down anyway. Uh, yes. ex, ex New York City FC technical staff news. Unfortunate, uh, Christian Latanzio got the sack uh, at Charlotte FC this week. Uh, Miles Joseph did not get the head coaching job at Portland, but he's going to be an assistant under Phil Neville, along with Jason Christ. That hasn't been officially announced, but it, I've confirmed that Christ is going to be on staff. So it's interesting that Christ and Miles Joseph will be back together again. They 
started at New York City FC in MLS yeah. with the, uh, uh, the inaugural year, and they went to Orlando City together. Then there was a separation, and now they're uh, they're back together again. So that's nice for them. They like so I was having a discussion online with John Rojas, our good friend, yes. about – so I had said that that was the 12th coach fired so far this season. And he started to tell me, well, it's not really in season. But I, I argue that because of the way the team played during the season, that that's the reason why they got why he got fired. It doesn't have to be yeah. in season to be a, to a a firing within the season. If you understand what I'm trying to say, so I'm saying no. that yes, twelve firings, twelve firings in 2023 so far. And, in MLS, which is a record. And the only uh, – in the Eastern Conference, uh, if you're looking at non-playoff teams, Nick Cushing is the only one who survived of the non-playoff teams. And in the Western Conference, there are two, Greg Vanny at L.A. And at Austin, um, Josh Wolf. Josh Wolf uh, was re-upped as well. And, uh, I, you know, I uh, from a New York City perspective – you know, uh, we both have said the same thing. Um, I, I think it's healthy that Nick and uh, David Lee are back um, and they're under contract, so they're still going to do their jobs. And I, I think there's something to be said for the uh, the continuity aspect of this and um, and the belief that, uh, and, and, you know, that we, I suppose we should go over the Q&A with David Lee that uh, the New York City FC website had um, where um, David... Uh, address Nick and you know said he was learning some things this year uh, these this is all paraphrasing that um but that everyone was responsible for what was a disappointing season you know collectively you know he, he, including himself so um it's something that you should all read i think the thing that stood out to us roberto uh beyond the comments about nick were the comments about who uh, uh, who might be brought in you know in terms of position and and what are what the needs are uh, goalkeeping was not mentioned, and Cody Miller was at the event last night. So you got to figure the three goalkeepers coming back next uh, preseason are going to be uh, um, the same three that were there at the end: Matt Freeze, Luis Barraza, and Cody Miller. Mizell. Um, Mizell. Co- who's Cody Miller? Anyway, I don't know, but you're thinking a beer, most likely. But could be. So Cody Mizell. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. Um, <laughs> Who came up to me last night because I was in his old stomping grounds visiting my daughter. We went to a New Mexico United game while I was out in Albuquerque. And that's where. That's not uh, bad. Oh, by the way, it was Lisa Barraza's birthday as well. That was yesterday, I believe. So happy birthday, Luis. All right. Happy birthday, Luis. Uh, yeah. So, all that. Uh, so, hopefully, I. Uh, the thing that stood out to me. Everything that, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, everybody fell on their sword and, uh, you know, took responsibility for their areas of, um, you know, their areas of responsibility. But um, to me, it was telling that they are going to reinforce, especially attacking, and they said defense, midfield, and attack with more of a focus on attack. And uh, so the thing is that hopefully, you know, they get the bigger budget that they're promised and that they're able to find the players that can be ready to step in and get the entire preseason, which has been an issue, right? Every year, it seems like whatever signing they can get winds up coming in either towards the end of preseason or sometime 
within, you know, the beginning of the season ever got uh, to New York City. What was it, game five or game six? Or maybe it was even, you know, after that. So hopefully they can get everybody in. They can get training. Uh, I think it's going to the, – the guys who are now still with the team who came in, you know, are going to get the benefit of preseason training. Uh, and I think that that's going to help along. But obviously New York City has some holes to fill. And, uh, they, you know, hopefully they get a chance to fill them with the right type of player that is going to make them competitive for MLS Cup 2024. Yep. So that's uh, again, that's on the website, David Lee's uh, uh, Q&A. Well, I, we uh, we've gotten into this, but we got to do kicking it around. There's a couple of things here, Roberto. So let's do it. Cool. Yeah. Next goal wins. That's a uh, a new movie. It's been premiering uh, in the New York City area, and we were there last night. A uh, kind invitation for the New York City Football Club, where supporters. Um, I don't know what level of support you had to be yet to get invited, but many were there. Uh, many players we've talked about. Brad Sims was in attendance, and uh, others as well, and uh, including uh, a lot of the media. So most of the media was. Uh, was, was also invited to this as well. So here, let me just, I'll read as brief a synopsis as I can, Roberto, so everybody can understand what this movie right. was about. I like the fact that the first line in the uh, promotional material says, next goal wins, very loosely based on a 2014 yes. documentary of the same name, which was the actual figures and film of the actual sessions. And uh, Thomas Rongen, former U-20 national team coach, former MLS coach at Tampa Bay, New England, and D.C. United. This guy, Rangan, he was uh, the coach of the year in MLS in, the, in MLS's first year, 1996. They won the, uh, the regular season title. Obviously, D.C. United ended up winning MLS Cup. But, uh, so Rangan has some pedigree, but as you said at the, at the top of the show today, he's not portrayed in a particularly favorable light, but he comes in to become the national team coach of American Samoa, who had recently been beaten by Australia in World Cup qualification, 31 nil. 31. And they showed some, they showed some clips of some of those goals. And I'm telling you, what was really interesting, Maddie and I, I almost fell on the floor watching this thing because you couldn't even see the goalkeeper in the clips. He was so far out of the goal. Like half the yeah. goals that we scored. But anyway, so Rangan takes over the team, and they actually win a game, and he's like, he becomes this hero, and uh, that's about gave it. Gave away the movie. Great. What? I'm supposed to say that. It's in here. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the notes. Matter. Oh, well. Whatever. It's in the material. He ultimately and miraculously led them to a victory over Tonga, uh, Samoa's first, American Samoa's first ever international win. That's the whole... No, the, that's not. The story is I mean, how I, it all happens. The whole point of going into a movie is not really knowing what it's about, so you can be surprised. So you didn't know that was happening when you watched the movie last night? I, no, I didn't know what they won or not. I didn't read up on it. Well, For the sole, purposes, the sole purpose of being surprised at the end. And I was wondering if they ever got the goal, which is what they were looking for. Yeah. 
right. Well, they got it. I mean, they got yeah, two. people can go and, you know, you can read the wiki of every movie that's out there Not and find out in advance what's going to happen. Who doesn't read a movie synopsis before they go see the movie? And and by the way, the 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 the, the movie, it's, it's the creative aspect of how it all happened. Who cares if we know if they won? It's how did they get there? That's the most it important takes, part. To me, it takes something away. All right. I was anyway, able, so I was able to enjoy it more than you did just because you already knew no. what was going to happen. Well, let's. We're, I let's, didn't. But what's your. So this is like a movie review. I'm going to say uh, I just thought it was okay because there were too many parts of it that were. I like it's so hard to make a realistic soccer movie, isn't it? You know, it's just like you can never yeah. let make a game seem like a real game. You know, it's just so hard to replicate what they were trying to replicate. And then, as it says, loosely based on the documentary. And that's because, you know, there's crazy things going on that would not normally happen. Yeah, in it's, life, a, it's so. a comedy. It's a comedy that's based on on, right. on the documentary of well, what I happened. But it, it really, they, they went for laughs more than, than being accurate at, at, at any moment. And... Uh, it was, you know, sort of silly. Uh, it reminded me of uh, great story. Necessary. Great story. It reminded me a little bit of Necessary Roughness. I don't know if you saw that movie, oh. and uh, a little bit of Ted Lasso. There, there's a whole bunch of things that it sort of reminded yeah. me of. And um, it was the director cute. of this, uh, Taika Waititi. Um, he plays a character in Thor, and I forget the guy, the character's name. And uh, but he's like the big stone guy. I can't remember his name. My son's going to kill me because he knows it by heart. Anyway, but he uses the exact same voice that he used with him. So uh, that, that that came across very quickly. I, you know, it was fine. It was ninety minutes of mindless. Enjoy yourself for ninety minutes. You know, park your brain at the you know at the door. Just go in, be entertained, come out, leave. That was it, and uh, it was fine. You know, it was, it was well, it was cute. For a comedy, I chuckled, I would say, three or four times in, in the entire movie. So, I, you know, a comedy, you know, a true comedy to me is I'm, I'm roaring a little bit, at least every now and then. Exactly. Man. But the, the fun part for me is the fact that you're going to interview Thomas Rongen tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And I am absolutely, I, I need to know. What well, we'll he thought it. about the portrayal and how Michael Fassbender portrayed him, and uh, how much um, license they took with what actually happened. And uh, I mean, they took it basically the Bobby Knight th chair throwing incident and uh, <laughs> used that several times. I don't know yeah. if that actually really happened. Well, I'm going to find out not, if he threw so. chairs and water coolers and. I mean, he, they had him throwing everything. You know, he, it was very uh, Bobby Knight-ish. You know, it was interesting. On the, on the way home from the movie, I'm with Matty Lawrence, my broadcast partner. And he, when the credits were rolling at the end, he went, oh, my God. His friend, Ian Morris, a really good friend of his, actually wrote the screenplay. He, he was the a writer on the movie with, with one other guy. So he's texting him, and the guy's texting him back. I thought that was uh, – that was, and this cool. guy – this guy, Ian Morris, I hadn't heard of it. The In-Betweeners, have you ever heard of that? That's uh, No, it sounds well, it's, familiar, it's, but I'm, it's, I'm not. I think, it's a, I think it's a BBC thing. That's probably why we, uh, uh, we, don't, we don't know it that well. Anyway, that's Next Goal Wins. Yeah, it was, it was cute, um, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a nice story. I mean, from 
for, for what happened. Yeah. And, um, and I will talk to Thomas tomorrow. And Roberto, one of uh, the feature clips next week will be Thomas Rongan's response to how he was portrayed. And then you'll... Uh, uh, Absolutely. I, I definitely want to know. I All definitely right. want to know. We have one, one more thing. Yeah, one more thing. Let's put the uh, U.S. men's national team roster was announced today for the important November Nations League competition. And um, here we go. There it is. Uh, Gaga Slonina is one of the three keepers. Yeah. Matt Turner, who did not start again for not- Nottingham Forest in his last game. And interestingly, in the press conference today, Greg Berhalter addressed that, said he called him immediately after the game just to see how he was doing. And uh, Turner said he was fine. And uh, Turner's exact words were, he's refocused and waiting to get another opportunity. But I found it, you know, I those are the little things that interest me that, uh, you know, Berhalter's right there and he's, you know, giving him a hug from distance you know, right after he doesn't start a game. Anything else on this roster, Roberto? That uh... Yeah, it's who's not on the roster, and that's Christian Pulisic. Well, so, he's injured. Uh, he's injured. Well, he's injured. We didn't know the seriousness of the injury. As a matter of fact, his coach had said that they were hoping that it was a cramp, but seeing that he's not on the roster, it doesn't look like it's a cramp. So uh, hopefully we'll find out some more on Christian, and hopefully it's well, here, not serious, whatever it is. Here's and the Burr Hall. Uh, if the... the U.S. can beat Trinidad then, uh, you know, then he can come back in, into the fold. So what do well, you here, have from the U.S. soccer? The Burhalter quote today about Pulisic and Timothy Weah, who's also not on the roster. And oh, that's injured. right. He's not there either. He's. This is the quote. Both of them not too serious. Both on track to get back to play soon, but there's too short of a deadline to bring them in for this. So, um, I, you know, Burhalter's not one to – you know, fudge on the injuries or, you know, or tell a, no. tell a tall tale. So I think, um, uh, and it's interesting too. He said this time of year, injuries are a little bit more frequent because the pitches are starting to get heavy. Isn't that interesting? The pitches are heavier and the schedules become more loaded. And he was like alluding yeah. to the fact that that combination uh, leads to a lot more injuries, but I've never heard anybody talking about the pitches being heavier. But I guess they no, are. No, I haven't. Them. But that's uh, that's interesting. And the schedule definitely is heavy at this time of year. So we do that. So we do know that. So they're basically replaced by Kevin Paredes, who came out of DC United, and uh, Alejandro Sendejas, who's like scoring goals every single game for Club America. I, I hope Sendejas gets a chance because he really needs he really needs a chance to show that that Gold Cup wasn't really his level that he I think he really really pressed and tried to impress during that gold cup and he didn't play the way that he played with Club America I've wound up watching a lot of the games for Club America and uh, he's just been fantastic there so I'm hoping that he gets a chance to play relaxed play within himself and show what he can really do. Because if he does, I mean, I think that he's your number one death piece on the right side behind Weah. And he can really contribute, you know, in a game that maybe Weah's not having a great game and they need to make a change in the 60th minute or whatever. And he can be instant offense on that right side, change a pace, change things around, you know. He can play in a variety of positions as well, but they've mostly been using him on the right wing. Interestingly, he has not yet played... For Greg Berhalter, he's only uh, played for B.J. Callahan, uh, and uh, Berhalter um, he recognized his improved club play uh, uh, today. He, he he brought it up 
Uh, he, he said, look, players, focus on your club form and op- other opportunities will come. That's what he said to Zendejas, and it was in relation to, unfortunately, having uh, a Gold Cup that didn't go so well for him. And uh, what Berhalter said about Zendejas, and it, it's pretty much what you're saying, uh, moving from club form to international form, he's still working on that. So it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, but this is a, a big couple of games for him. He's going to get a chance. For sure. He, he should. And also, I mean, he was brought in as a last-minute replacement during the last window, and uh, which is a game at Hartford, and I think where was the other one? At Austin. Uh, so in those two games. But he didn't get a chance to play. He was never brought on the field. You know, they, they, they made Paredes debut, and they brought in a lot of guys who we haven't seen. But now these games count, right? Because if you wind up getting eliminated again, by Trinidad and Tobago, their U.S. is out of Copa America. Can you imagine having Copa America here in the United States and the U.S. not playing? Yeah. So we'll see those games really soon, and we'll have more detail, and we'll watch them together, Roberto, and make sure that uh, we, we, we talk about that. We want to thank uh, Chris Campbell so much, uh, the guy who is the, uh, the guru on the New York City FC soccer stadium front. He spent about 20 minutes or so with us uh, on the program going over everything. His prediction by match day one, 2027, based on the timeline he's developed from everything he's researched and read, that uh, by uh, match day one, 2027, the uh, the soccer stadium at Willis Point will be ready to open uh, as, long as, uh, as long as the politicians don't screw it up. I guess that would be... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't Here's know hoping so- that there are no major hurdles uh, during this entire process. No, and he he said a couple of good things there. I mean, the, you know, the two thirds council vote can override the mayor if a, if for some reason a a new mayor came in and and wanted to nix the deal. So uh, things are looking very good with the stadium. And uh, well, thanks to Chris, thanks to you, Roberto Abramowitz, thanks to Sammy producing this thing. My name is Glenn Crooks. And uh, that's it for this one. And uh, we'll see you next week on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.